and welcome to episode 38 of The Worst Critics. I'm Noah Davis. I'm John Pina. And we're here to talk to you about the latest and sometimes not so greatest in movies, music, television, and whatever else we want to talk about for the week. Let's get to the news. First bit of news. Got some Marvel-related news. I know how much you love this, John. Uh, Bassam Tariq, director of 2020's Mogul Mowgli, is currently in talks to helm the new Blade movie starring Mahershala Ali. Um... I mean, I, I, I don't know of Mogul Mowgli, but uh, I'm excited for the new Blade movie. Man, Mahershala Ali's an amazing actor, so you can count me in, really. It wasn't going to take much, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but apparently that Mogul Mowgli movie actually stars Riz Ahmed, the guy from... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe um, watch the, I'll watch that sometime. It's about him being a hip-hop artist. Really? Yeah, yeah. He's just always doing fucking music movies, huh? Yeah, uh, Sound a, of Metal, that's it. I, yeah, I, I, he's I a me- he's a metal boy. He's a he's a rapper. A he's very he's multifaceted. Okay. All right. Uh, well, moving. Uh, yeah. What? Real quick, just on comment on Blade in general. So, like, this is talks of just way pre-production, like just him to be the director, not yeah. even. There's nothing penned. There's no people really behind the project yet. It's just like pick a director kind of thing. Yeah, pretty much. But when it gets to this level of news, it's kind of it's not confirmed, but it really right. gets it's to Marvel, this point. It's Marvel, so it's it's they're, they're really thinking about it at this point. Yeah, right? to even get to the negotiation point of Marvel is probably a huge step. So, right. I mean, the same thing happened with uh, Taika Waititi for uh, Thor Ragnarok. You know, it wasn't confirmed for a while, but. Everyone already knew because he was talking to him. So, boom, bada, bing, Blade Director. Okay, uh, moving on to Director Troubles, actually. Minari filmmaker Lee Isaac Chung will no longer be directing the live-action adaptation of Makoto Shinkai's Your Name. Chung parted ways with the project due to scheduling. I mean, seems pretty usual. Uh, Paramount was supposed to be producing. I'm not sure if you've seen this anime movie, Your Name, John. Mm-mm. Okay. Nope. Well, it's uh, about these two like star-crossed lo- like people, but they're not really lovers. They're just kind of connected, and it it tells you how they're connected throughout the movie. It's actually a really good movie. Uh, I'm surprised the live-action adaptation had happened sooner than this, honestly. But um, yeah, I- I'm not surprised it's getting a live-action adaptation. It won a lot of awards when it first came out back in 2015, 2016, I think. Uh, 2017 in the US 2016 in Japan okay I mean that sounds about right uh, I, I would definitely recommend if you're ever in the mood for like a non-action anime movie and the animation's awesome I mean it's it's whatever the Japanese equivalent of Hollywood is budget you know like Hollywood animation but you, you, know, you know what I'm saying okay. I believe you I believe uh, moving on to some casting news, Anna Torv and Jeffrey Pierce have been cast in the new Last of Us HBO show. Uh, we've talked about this for a couple weeks now. Anna Torv, who was in Mindhunter and Fringe, will play Tess, who will be a recurring character. She's in the video game for a while, you know, uh, and then, uh, Jeffrey Pierce will play a new character named Perry. Now, I don't really know this actor, Jeffrey Pierce, all that well, but the interesting piece of this news is that he actually voiced the character Tommy in The Last of Us, who is a main character, or 
you know, uh, a little more than a side character, but he's not going to well, play. He Tommy. also did. He also did the motion capture for Tommy. Okay, well, That's yeah, important. Last of Us did. Last of Us did a lot of motion capture. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's the thing, because last week I think we or two weeks ago we reported that an actress who voiced the character was playing that character. Well, now we have a we now we have an actor who voiced the character who's not playing that character, but he's playing a playing character. A different character. Yes. right. He is playing a new rebel named Perry. Doesn't have info on that. Uh, because as you know, or as you might not know, Gabriel Luna will play Tommy, so he couldn't exactly play Tommy anymore. But I'm actually more excited for the Anna Torv news. Uh, she's amazing in Mindhunter and Fringe. She's, dare I say, one of the, one of the good parts of Fringe, uh, even till the end, because that show went off the rails. Uh, but uh, Tess, the ga- or sorry, Tess acts like a kind of a transition for the game. It kind of opens up the video game. And that's when I actually started caring about the real plot. So I'm interested to see how she's really, uh, I don't know, how they're adapting it into a 10-episode series. But uh, I guess we'll see that next year, I think. And speaking of HBO casting news, they have cast Wesley Grace, who we might know as Nina from In the Heights, to play Babs or Barbara Gordon, a.k.a. Batgirl, for the new HBO Max original movie. They've been trying to cast that for a while now. I think we've talked about it, I don't know, since December. I think that's when the uh, rumblings started. All right. And well, when they went, oh, you were in that really successful movie that was trash. Here's a big fucking major superhero role for you. Well, apparently there was a very big auditioning process. This wasn't just a, one of those, oh, we saw her, she's great you know, etc. But uh they actually there were there were three short names or you know on the three names on the short list and I might have not written them down, but uh Leslie Grace beat them all. So I guess we'll see. You her. know she's a singer as well. She did sing in the Heights, yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. She, well listen, listen. She is more known for her work as a singer. She's received three Latin Grammys. She's only twenty six. Huh. Okay. Well uh as Latin pop and R and B. Well, now she's Batgirl, so she's got a cape, she's got a Grammy, she can do whatever she wants, really. I guess Hispanic Black Girl, too, is kind of cool. Okay, uh, moving on to some new TV and movie announcements. Robert Downey Jr. is set to co-star in a TV adaptation of The Sympathizer for HBO and A24 with old boy director Chain Wook Park serving as the director, and weirdly enough, the article that I was reading strictly says... Robert Downey Jr. will co-star in the show, so I assume there will be another lead, because it's really weird to just say co-star, you know, just, I mean, you know, you'd think it'd be RDJ starring in this, but uh, no, so I, I don't know what the sympathizer is, maybe some property that I wasn't aware of, maybe it's a book. It's a novel, it looks ah. like. <laughs> there we go, of course. Vietnamese best-selling about something, hold on, it's fiction. Okay. Do, 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 do. Uh, apparently, it fits in a number of different genres, including immigrant mystery, political, metafiction, dark comedy, historical, spy, and war. So, Vietnam War, things go awry, but it's also a comedy, but it's also about politics and shit. But when is war not about politics? I don't know. Uh, I mean, sounds like sounds like classic shit that A24 
plus old boy director plus our DJ would get involved in. It sounds complicated enough for those three things to mix pretty well. Yeah, I mean, hey, Chainwick Park, RDJ, and HBO behind it, that's that's a pretty good formula to get an award-winning show or a, maybe a gritty, somewhat gritty award-winning show. That's that's HBO's kind of, that's their yeah, whole shtick, really. that's their shtick, exactly. <laughs> okay, uh, moving on to... An announcement and a cancellation in the same piece of news. Uh, Game of Thrones spinoff, Flea Bottom, that was supposed to take place in the the slums of King's Landing and whatnot, has been canceled. Okay, Flea Bottom. <laughs> has been canceled before any actual production even started. Uh, then we have two more Game of Thrones animated series in the works. One is unknown, we're not really sure, but the other is apparently set in the Golden Empire of Yi-T, which is influenced by historical China. Uh, you know, I, John, I really think you called this the other week. You said, don't we have like three or four Game of Thrones animated shows coming out? And <laughs> I said, I can, no. It's like, I can predict the future. <laughs> yeah, I said, no, we only have one coming out. But uh, now we have three. Now we, now we have welcome. three. Yeah. Well, and I'm curious. Do you think that the root cause of this is that Flea Bottom, they, you know, they were reading the script or whatever had been decided on as far as production design and getting people together the hirings etc and the first animated series had already like had some viewable material of some kind probably and they went and looked at it and said how much money did that cost oh yeah okay we're going with that we'll do two more of those fuck this live action shit yeah they 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 definitely ran the numbers and then they probably even have this weird I don't know, contingency plan where it's like, oh, what if there's a COVID-2? We we can't mm. film a live-action show if there's COVID-2, but you know True. what we can make? Animated mm. shows. Because you just need animators being treated like slaves to make those. And True. nothing else, you know? You don't you don't need real uh, real sets. You don't need people coming in. You don't need travel arrangements. It's great. Okay, uh, we are moving on to another show announcement. Showtime is set to create. <clears throat> sorry, Showtime is set to create a series focused on the first ladies, aptly titled "The First Lady." It will star Viola Davis, who is also executive producing, as Michelle Obama. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer will play Betty Ford. Jillian Anderson will play Eleanor Roosevelt, and Kiefer Sutherland will play Teddy Roosevelt. Set it off air. It's worth saying again. Why? In the hell is Viola Davis playing Michelle Obama? I don't get it, but that's not here nor there. She's cool, executive producing. It's it's probably her choice, literally. So you know, I I trust she's like, Viola she's Davis. like I don't want. Yeah, she's like I don't want to play me. You know who would be good at me? Viola Davis. Boom. But I go Viola Davis could play literally anybody. Like she's a great actress. Period. But I'm like they don't like a biopic. I feel like half of the novelty is not that the actors and actresses are good. It's that they can impersonate and appear as that person so even if she makes her voice sound similar does the same mannerisms i'm like you all don't look alike so i'm only going to go as far as to recognize that it's viola davis playing michelle obama i won't be like oh that's michelle obama right i mean that, that loses a bit for me if you're playing someone who's still alive that I see in the news every day that we talk about on this podcast every fucking week <laughs> we, because we, the uh, production company's so busy <laughs> But uh, yeah. I mean, hey, I, I, I'm I'm still down for it. I haven't watched the historical drama in a minute, and uh, one based off the first ladies—that's a little—that's refreshing no, that, at least. It sounds cool. It sounds like it could be interesting. And again, I can't imagine that. 
I can't imagine. I think about. I was gonna say I can't imagine that the Obamas put their name behind anything that's not good, but we've already seen. Whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait! No, the Obamas aren't a part of this one. Viola Davis is producing this one. Oh, okay. I thought you were saying Michelle Obama executive producer. No, 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 no. Viola Davis is producing. But speaking of the Obamas producing something, the Obamas and their company Higher Ground have. Of course, partnered with Netflix because they're still under contract to create a new limited time series called Blackout. It'll be six different authors writing six black love stories about teens in a blackout in NYC, uh, co-produced by the company that made Twilight and Fault in Our Stars. So if you're trying to make a teenage love story, them's probably the people to do it. Uh, it yeah, it definitely makes sense. Uh, the Obamas, Netflix, I don't really have a lot to say on this, just... I don't know. It, it's it's still funny to me that they are making TV and stuff. And, yep. and after the last thing I watched, the Obamas. <laughs> yeah, after the last thing I watched, uh, what was that called? The School of Rock, We the People. Uh, yep, I think We the People. We right? the People. Okay, yeah. After the last thing I watched, I'm really curious how this one's going to turn out. But moving on to some more Netflix news, Netflix is making a six episode miniseries focusing on Purdue Pharma and the origins of the opioid epidemic. This is the star Uzo Aduma, who was in Orange is the New Black and a show called In Treatment. And also Matthew Broderick, who is a name, I don't know, I don't hear a lot, you don't hear a lot on this show at all, really. Yeah. Unless yep. unless I'm hating on the old Godzilla movie for some random reason, or... Or talking about how great Inspector Gadget is. <laughs> yes. Or my hot take of Glory really isn't that good of a movie. Uh, I've never even seen it. Ah, it's a Civil War movie, and Matthew Broderick pretends to have an accent. It's really good. Cool. <laughs> you watch it. It's cool. definitely worth two and a half hours of your time. But uh, for sure, you know uh, the opioid epidemic that is uh, that is definitely ripe for the the making of a TV show. It's topical, I'd say. Still to this day, it's probably going to be topical for uh, for a minute. I'd say for uh, for years to come. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited to watch a dramatization. I'm always down for that. You know, a little embellishing of the facts, a little, little script change. Well, and I, I believe it was last week I had told you about the, uh, the really good documentary that's on HBO. Yeah. Um, I'm all about anything about the opioid crisis, it turns out. It's, it's everything that's good about true crime with stakes that are so much bigger and grander and deeper. You know, it's like everyone's favorite conspiracy theory plus a true crime podcast, movie, whatever you want to call it. Um, so yeah, I'm down. And these are dramatizations, right? Like, yes. These are real yeah. actors and actresses just playing characters. Right. Not no, docuseries. Yeah, no cut to, you know, oh, that's me. I'm that guy that, you know, whoever's playing. Yeah, I do okay. not believe this is a docuseries. But if you're interested in this project... Hulu has some good news for you because they're also making a drama about the uh, opioid epidemic. This one will be titled Dope Sick, and it will star Rosario Dawson, Michael Keaton, and Peter Sarsgaard. Uh, and that one's yeah. actually coming out this year, where the Netflix one is supposed to come out next year. So Hulu's beating them to the punch a little. Well, it's because they blew all their wad on the actors and actresses and not on the production and design. So Right. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm curious uh, which... I don't know which aspect or which direction the Hulu one will take just because this Netflix one has Purdue Pharma, you know, in the actual synopsis, whereas the Hulu one doesn't have anything yet. So I'm curious if it's going to be, you know, in line with Netflix 
or if it'll be more more of a personable story, you know. But right. who knows? Uh, yeah, we're going to see those this year and next year. And moving on to some... I, c- I can transition this by saying Disney TV because FX, right? Uh, FX has outbid other TV companies for the rights to a series called Homeland Elegies. Or, sorry, the rights to make a series based on the book, Homeland Elegies, a 2020 book by Aid Akhtar, Akhtar, uh, yeah, Kumail Nanjiani to executive produce and star. It's going to be eight episodes and coming out next year. Uh, I don't know exactly what it's about, but I'll talk about Kumail Nanjiani on the show. I mean, the name Homeland Elegies makes it seem like it's obviously about immigrant stories, right? Yeah, that's that's what's it's just, implied. But, I mean, I uh, feel like those are just synonyms, right? Just like they took a thesaurus and said, "How do we say immigrant stories?" Ah, homeland <laughs> elegies, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, so I think it could be good. Uh, uh, Apple, I believe it's Apple TV Plus actually has a really good immigrant documentary, not doc- uh, dramatization, immigrant stories TV show. Um, fuck, I'm gonna forget the name of it now though. Uh, it's like we wow. are America or something. This is us, but not this is us. Something like that. Um, it's it's really good. It's actually worth the watch. If for nothing else, in the very last one, uh, the very final episode is actually great. The other ones are good too, but worth watching. And I know how much you love Apple TV Plus. So oh my anything god! Anything that gets you back on that website. I'm gonna talk about it again this week, so I can't wait <laughs> till we're done with the news. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Whatever. Moving on. You know, speaking of Apple TV, perfect transition. You're welcome. I did that for you. Boom. Apple TV has inked a deal with the creator and showrunner of Lovecraft Country, Misha Green. Uh, this is we talked about these deals quite a bit now because they are very. Uh, I don't know what the word for it. it, it there's a lot of them these days. It doesn't it doesn't seem like they're a rare occurrence at all. Uh, again, we've talked about the Obamas, J-Lo, Spielberg with Netflix, and I think even J- J-Lo signed another one with another company this past week, and I just don't understand how these contracts work, okay? But, uh, right. yeah, Misha Green is now under Apple, so whatever she makes, Apple has first rights. You get, you get the gist. Uh, moving on to a new show announcement, Amazon has ordered a six-episode series based on Neil Gaiman's and Nonzi Boys. Uh, this is a series he wrote that was connected to his American God series, but this TV show will not connect to American Gods. Uh, apparently, both projects share a character, Mr. Nancy, and Mr. Nancy will still appear in this Amazon show, but again, not the American Gods star show. They're not the same. Uh, Amazon and Neil Gaiman both wanted to make clear that they're just, no, they're not connected. Uh, they, you know, they probably don't want to be connected with something that gets canceled after two and a half, three seasons. Right. Maybe and, for good reason. Yeah. Uh, this one's a little weird. I'm not sure if either of us care about this one, but a Grease prequel entitled Rise of the Pink Ladies has been picked up by Paramount+. Plus. Uh, it was originally developed at HBO Max. I do you want to add anything to this? I mean, I just love Grease. I love the John Travolta. It just everything about him really, from that to Hairspray. He's just such a great okay. versatile actor. Okay, Yo- okay, <laughs> younger Danny Zuko, John Travolta is not older Scientologist John Travolta. <laughs> I refuse to believe that they're the Actually, same. People. But he was. He was good in the uh, 
OJ. Yeah. Uh, what's it called? He's still an actor uh, underneath. No. Underneath the craziness. I think he's still an actor. OJ versus the people or the no, people that, versus yeah, OJ. People versus OJ. Yeah. American um, crime story. But yeah, I don't care about Grease at all. I, I couldn't even tell you the plot point of Grease. It's like high schoolers that have yeah. slicked back hair and race cars or some yep. shit. I mean, hey, you got half the movie. <laughs> you you literally got half the movie and the climax. So you <laughs> nailed it, really. Uh, yeah, well, the pink ladies are the... Uh, the, the gang of ladies, the group of ladies who wear the pink jackets, and it's like the popular clique or the maybe even the outcast clique. I don't know how the 80s and their cliques worked, but uh, yeah, I guess this is going to be about those characters. I'd, pr- I'd presume, but uh, you know, it could, I don't know. All right, moving on to some renewals and cancellations. I actually have one this week. Uh, iCarly, the new Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, yeah, new Paramount Plus revival show has been renewed for season two. Uh, we're huge iCarly fans around here. You know us. I can tell you all well, those. I don't want to jump the gun, but this week I did start that. Uh, and I will jump the gun and say I stopped it after about 300 seconds. Wow. Uh, <laughs> you made a whole five I, minutes? Yeah, I was like, hmm. I can keep watching this, or I could literally do anything else that's not a giant waste of time. <laughs> and I decided to just sit and stare at a wall for a little bit and let the old images of, like, iCarly skits that I loved just wash over me till I could forget that I watched that. Until just now, when you reminded me that I watched it and it was terrible. <laughs> like, well, it was there's so gonna be cringe. another season. <laughs> it was so cringe. And I was hype, dude. I was hype. Yep, uh, well, you should be hyped for season two, dude. Uh, you know, season one of Icar really picks up after the midpoint. That's when the dramas and the character development really start to shine. I hate you. <laughs> okay, moving on to our last couple bits of news. This one was so weird that I had to put it in here. Uh, apparently, according to James Gandolfini, who played Tony Soprano in The Sopranos, uh... According to one of his co-stars on The Sopranos, back when The Office had a little troubles of, you know, Steve Carell quitting and they had to replace him and find a new GM and, you know, they found James Spader, y- you remember, well, you might remember the story, but apparently uh, HBO caught wind that James Gandolfini was going to be offered the GM role and he was in talks with them and he was ready to do it. But they did not want their Tony Soprano character to be associated with The Office. So they paid this man $3 million not to star in a TV show. That is a great piece of news, I'll be honest. That is hilarious. And this is... and when, <laughs> Whatever you do, don't fucking do this. When, when uh, Steve Carell left the role of Michael Scott, that was years after The Sopranos had ended. It's not as though, yeah. you know... Right, they are on the same to be confused, right? <laughs> yeah, they're not on the same time. The audiences aren't going to cross over and just be like, "Oh, I can't watch The Sopranos anymore." This man's funny on one night and right. you know evil the next night. Right. Well, and it's not like they're competing for views either or anything. So it's like it doesn't make any sense. No, nope. it is hilarious. <laughs> yep, uh, man. <laughs> Rest in peace to this man. But holy crap, if I could just. If I could just have a dream, it would be to get paid $3 million not to go to work. Yeah, that, it's, that's it's my really dream. $3 million not compete. It's like, hey, you're switching jobs? Well, because switching jobs will pay will pay you a lot of money to switch jobs. Like, here's, here's $3 million. <laughs> just don't do anything. Like, I know you want to switch jobs, but here's $3 million. Just 
keep keep on living your best life. He's like, I will. Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the man's a legend just for this. Just for this piece. I wish this news had just come out like everybody knew this piece of news. Uh, yeah, okay. And moving on to our last real piece of news. Uh, the National Association of Theater Owners, also titled NATO. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry. You can't. It's, are it's you allowed the real to do NATO. that? It's the real NATO. Are, are you allowed to just make your acronym so that it spells out NATO so that if someone reads, oh, head of NATO says this, they're going to think like, something else. Why are they commenting on Black Widow? <laughs> why does the head of... Yeah, okay, well, uh, sorry, the the head chairman of NATO, uh, apparently said this this week, the many questions raised by Disney's limited release of streaming data opening weekends are being rapidly answered by Black Widow's disappointing and anonymous performance. Then he moves on to say, uh, the most important answer is that simultaneous release in a pandemic era art. Oh, sorry. Simultaneous release is, is a pandemic era artifact that should be left to the history with the pandemic itself. Uh, this is really weird. Now, this is in response because Black Widow had a 60% drop-off in its ticket sales week after week, but this man said nothing when Fast and the Furious 9 also had a 60% drop-off, and it didn't come to any services day of, and still isn't on any services. But, uh, no, it, it's their fault. It's actually Disney Plus's fault and the people at home's For fault. Sure. Yeah, For yeah, sure. you gotta throw the blame on them. Uh, I just want to talk about how, I don't know, disconnected this, this sounds, uh, just the head of this, of NATO just, just yeah, wants some no, more money. Just, right. Well, and the big thing with this story as well is that, yes, it's like, oh, woe is us. Give me more money. I'm mad that daddy Disney gets to make more money than me. We used to have a monopoly on movies and things are changing. But the bigger issue is that people don't give a fuck about new releases that much. Like, I'm sure Disney made a great amount of money from buying the $30 bullshit, $40 bullshit. $60 million as but, of last weekend. But still not, like, it is a lot of money that they're making, but it's still not a lot of people necessarily. You know what I mean? Versus, like, I mean, if you think back to, like, I don't know if you how well you remember, but, like, Pirates of the Caribbean when that was coming out in theaters and like it was like a whole thing like everyone got dressed yeah. up to go to theaters there was like fucking eight showings like for the midnight release like all the you know it's just like that doesn't happen for fast nine or black widow because those aren't interesting they're not captivating and obviously we're in the middle of pandemic like there's a lot of factors that are coupled with this piece of news that i just go like yeah bro you're like you're saying the exact wrong thing yeah. like <laughs> you're just hitting all the wrong notes like you're so disconnected from what people actually want and, um, and this this sentence or the these couple sentences his quote seems so cynical on his part i mean hey i'm all for the movies dying okay but this man <laughs> is just like oh that's an artifact okay you shouldn't even think about same day premieres you know like it's such a weird stance to take when you could just be like oh we hope disney comes back or we hope we can partner and you're just like nah it's it's their fault you know <laughs> it's it's the right. consumer's fault it's not ours but uh i don't know what this last piece of news is john so i'm gonna yeah. throw it over to you for this last one 
Sorry. Uh, so this is something that I meant to share with you while I've been away, but um, just had forgotten. So I'm going to try to do it as in my best no impression as possible oh, here. Nice. But uh, uh, <laughs> that '70s show co-stars uh, Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher are co-producing and starring and kind of like executive functioning as showrunners of a new animated series called Stoner Cats. Now, okay. you might be thinking, that sounds hilariously stupid, but interesting enough to make me want to know more. Uh, so the bigger thing is, you know, like how Ashton Kutcher is like not only like super woke now, but he's also like he's slowly trying to transform himself into Steve Jobs after playing him once. I mean, the man's uh, where, super rich. Where he's like big into tech and like all kinds of investment stuff. Yeah. And so uh, their big thing now, him and Mila Kunis' thing, is uh, NFTs. If you're yeah. the cryptocurrency NFT. So this show is an NFT. Christ. So what so what you do is you're gonna buy basically it's like uh you know, you'll buy your token, your NFT, and it will be an artwork of one of the cats. And tied to that is like a serial number essentially, like I'm gonna dumb it down as much as possible here, but it's a, a code and you can use that code to log in and view the show. And what happened is they basically got a bunch of big people like producers from like I think like an animators from like the Lion King and Toy Story and the Spider-Verse and Happy Feet and a bunch of people that they knew um and they haven't announced all of the uh cast yet I think they're going to do that as part of like drops and things for getting people to buy tokens etc but all this to say that um it is like a pretty big star-studded thing but all of it is like personal investment of them and the people doing it just time they're not paid, obviously, because unlike the traditional norm of, like, studio, find people, make thing, this is people, make thing, find money somehow. Like, so they, they've done all this animation and all these voice acting and all the production for no pay. And so it's a weird pricing, but basically they've said it's going to be, like, a couple thousand dollars for a ticket, a.k.a. an NFT, a.k.a. a poster of a cat. The idea is I'm going to pay let me get this straight. I'm going to pay $3,000, $4,000 for a poster of a cat that lets me watch a show about said cat. And you're like, yes, but it's also going to be almost like the NFT itself, the you know, the, the crypto itself is a production company. And so that if they hit certain almost like Kickstarter goals, like if they sell like 80% of their tokens, all future – like they'll they have a milestone. I think it's like 80% is they'll make a second show. Not necessarily related to Stoner Cats, but with the same thing in mind. And your Stoner Cats token gets you entrance to watch their show too. So it's like it's this whole fucking Ponzi scheme of making a studio behind the guise of crypto. And it sounds so interesting, but I'm like, it's also just called Stoner Cats. Like, what is 2021? We've got fucking shipping billionaires to the moon. We've got a cryptocurrency about an animated cat. That's actually a TV show. <laughs> well, you know, I'm actually not surprised that Ashton Kutcher is the one to get into this because I've I've read that he got into crypto like a decade ago. Yeah, yeah, no, he's <laughs> yeah, like so he's that fucking man's probably hell. rolling in it. If he just had Ethereum and Bitcoin a decade ago, that man is oh rich, very yeah. rich. That yeah, he, that man can make a non fungible show. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally a non fungible show. So anyway, uh, 
Stay tuned for stoner cats, maybe? Yeah. Question mark? Uh, the leaks, at least. <laughs> we'll have to catch a le- totally legal viewing of an episode, Wink. Definitely legal um, viewing, yes, of course. Yeah, uh, yeah the, wanna... how big our podcast is, we'll, we'll, have a, we'll buy our own NFT. There you the go. Podcast we'll share it with uh, everybody here. Yeah, yeah. We'll have all the viewers join Discord, etc. Um, but yeah, so anyway, I'll move on to the albums. That, yeah, that was just go. my one fun yeah. piece of news. Um, so yeah, uh, this week... Uh, it will be the 23rd, and a bunch of albums are coming out. Uh, try to just fly through them as quickly as possible. Um, so we've got uh, Anne-Marie. Uh, oh, she's wait, English... hold on. Sorry, derailing, derailing you. Uh, last week, you forgot the DGs released an album called Hail Satin, and you're wondering, who are the DGs? I'm asking. The, the uh, BGC brother? <laughs> no, it's actually Foo Fighters covering funk songs what yeah, yeah it's dave Grohl and his band because dg dave Grohl. ah uh, yeah so it's foo fighters but they but they're just satin covering the satan yeah nice. hail satin yeah yeah so i just wanted to say that you missed that that came out this week it's just cover songs it's not great okay thanks thanks for putting me on blast Sweet. in front of a not live <laughs> studio audience um so anyway yeah amory she's a english singer uh I personally have gotten to know her because of her collaborations with um, Ed Sheeran and uh, a song called 2002 that is an absolute banger and I would recommend to anyone. Uh, And so she's got an album called Therapy coming out. It's her second album uh, that comes out this week. Uh, Moving on, we've got uh, Kanye West's uh, Donda or Donda. I'm not sure, but however his mom said her name, that... uh, and it's his fucking 10th, if you can believe that. Goddamn 10th album from Kanye. Just seems crazy. That number seems high for someone who is so prolific. You would, yeah, you're just like, hmm, I guess I guess that's true. I'll believe you. Uh, then you got the kid, Lowry, Laori, whatever the fuck his name is. Um, unfortunately, I don't care about him at all. I think his music's shit, but he is popular, so I think it's worth mentioning that uh, if you're a fan of our show that likes him, how do you spell, How do you spell the L word? <laughs> Uh, L A R O I. I think it's Kid Leroy. Leroy? Yeah. No way. It's like Leroy. Lacroix. <laughs> I don't believe you at all. I mean, because it's all stylish. He's got like periods and shit, doesn't he? Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe it's just capital know, with a period at the end. I don't know. I don't care. I don't care at I all. I don't care to know it properly. I, I I hope I'm actually just butchering it, and it just makes it better. Uh, then we got uh, Leon Bridges, uh, Gold Digger Sound. Um, again, Leon Bridges, soul singer, songwriter. Producer, just fucking dope ass musician. Yeah, had um, that really popular song a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, that one. Yep. I, I can't think <laughs> of it, know it, but people we know. All know it. That's super popular. <laughs> um, and then there are a couple smaller ones that I thought might be worth mentioning, but I don't know. There's also this John Batiste project uh, that technically is coming out, quote unquote, this week. It'll drop the same day that we're actually going to record the next one so we probably won't have time to listen to it but um it's really a live recording but it's like some new material apparently on it too but uh that's john batiste uh, another again really good singer uh songwriter kind of does soul but also does just like a little bit of everything um and yeah that's kind of all the big ones i i don't really care about any of the other smaller ones to be honest we had a lot of news anyway so it's not if I miss another one, like the DGs, uh, yeah. we'll just talk about it the next episode anyway, so fuck it. Okay, what'd you do this week? Honestly, literally not much at all, uh, which is a pretty unfortunate. I listened to some podcasts, did my usual shit. Um, but as far as, like, watching things, 
genuinely, uh, I really didn't do anything that I can recall wow. off the top of my head. Like I, I, I rewatched some like old shows and shit, but like nothing worth Doesn't mentioning, count. nothing new. Um, I, I guess there's one show now that I'm thinking about it really hard. Um, that I'd forgotten to until just now. So clearly great, uh, totally worth watching, but there's a little bit of a backstory here. So the, it's a, it's a new Netflix show called Heist. Yes. I don't know if you've seen it promoted. I, I think I've um, seen the title card. Yeah. And it's just a bunch of different, um, not necessarily heists themselves, but thefts of some kind. Um, and the final two episodes are like, it's two part finale about, in the late nineties, early two thousands, uh, a bourbon heist that happens here in Kentucky. And I found out about it because someone I know from school, their mom did like all the photography for the show oh. and was like, Oh yeah, my mom's did this Netflix show. Go check it out. And I was like, you know what? I will. And it's actually a really interesting story. Uh, it's pretty well done. I, I kind of want to go check out the other episodes just cause I thought it was kind of going to be like a boring, you know, like, the heist movies that get spoofed often. I thought this was just going to be real life versions of that, and it's uh, it's a real dramatization, if that makes sense. So the people, at least the bourbon one, like the people who were responsible for all the stealing, are also featured and play themselves in like the reenactments. Okay, sure. And again, because this happened in the late nineties, like this guy got out of prison and stuff, but he didn't go to prison and he got caught, obviously, because he's making a whole show about it, but. Um, it's really interesting. It's about dealing a bunch of Pappy, uh, Van Winkle for the most part, and then some other smaller bourbons, but Pappy's like that one that's aged and right. it's worth like a zillion dollars now. Um, but anyway, yeah, uh, I, I legitimately, I feel like that's all I watched. Unless something comes to mind, it's all you this week. <laughs> the, the, uh, five minutes of iCarly? Well, the five minutes of iCarly, but I always talked about it. So yes, I did watch iCarly. I literally turned off the five minutes. I guess I'll go into a little bit more detail about it. So there you go. the, um, it opens up, and it's as though we're just going to completely imagine that they haven't been away for some time, and that for whatever reason, even though they're so much older and different, that they uh, are now living. Sorry, the cat's bothering something. Um, They are living either together or in the same neighborhood in Seattle or whatever, but uh, Carly, like, busts through the door and, uh, <laughs> like, is, like, getting stuff ready for a date of some kind and spencer her brother played by what's his name uh crazy steve from drinking josh uh <laughs> i'm sure he really loves that people totally remember his acting name or his actual name well actually i do know it somewhere here in like my oh, crazy steve. That's, yeah. deep deep brain because well, he plays wow and he had like wow videos uh yeah, for like a old popular like remember when websites were a thing before YouTube and you had to like go to the website that made the video itself. Oh, where you actually like surfed the web and stuff yeah. and weird. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I remember that. I think. Yeah, yeah. He 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 was on a, like a wow related website and made videos <laughs> with that. Cool. Um. Anyway, uh, so he's sitting there like nude, painting something or making a piece of art because he was like an artist was his whole shtick. And she's like, "What are you doing? What are you doing?" And I was like, I hate every second of this. And then it turns out she, like, obviously the show is based on her web series yeah. in character. And obviously she's basically just become, like, an influencer now. Right. And so it's like her and her boyfriend might become influencers together. And it turns out she just gets dumped on what's essentially, like, Instagram Live. And I was like, if this show's anything like this for the rest of it, 
I'll hate it. And I just couldn't give it the time of day after that. I was like, it's literally about being like, obviously the show originally was about her being an influencer, right? It's about her being an influencer, but those things didn't exist. And those tropes didn't exist back then. And now it is just about that. And I'm like, I hate this. So unfortunately, wow. Okay. It's Uh, a no go for me. Did you listen to anything? No. Okay, literally nothing well, just the yeah, good stable things you know what? it's all me this week even though i didn't do yeah, well so so next week next week i'll be playing catch up because there were like the willow album i wanted to listen to like there's a lot of shit i wanted to listen to this week okay then i um, won't mention I was just that. Very busy. i okay. won't mention the willow album then uh... oh wait wait let, let me just give you a list of things i don't want you to mention in case you listen to them all uh uh i want to listen to that john Mayer thing nah, the ksi I'm not, thing nah, I'm okay not. okay uh and then the bare naked ladies thing <laughs> It's okay. I don't know. Okay. Okay. So then, I'll, then save the Willow one. <laughs> yeah, we're clear. Okay. So uh, yeah, I'll start with music since we're talking about music. Uh, Azizi Gibson released a new single. Just gonna move on. His Twitter said he's taking a break, and I'm like, dog, you haven't even put out your album yet. How are you taking a break? <laughs> but, maybe uh, he just maybe he never made an album. Maybe he was just like, these are just some joints I've been cooking up, and I need money. It's been eight months, and this man's put out ten singles. Uh, okay. Uh, moving on, that Reggie Snow, Reggie's mm-hmm. Reggie. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That Reggie Snow album, I listened to it. It's very okay. Uh, it's pretty samey. It's Irish those, rapper, dude. Yeah. It's one of those things where cohesion's the problem and all the songs run together. Uh, but there is a... I know an album that we're going to talk about soon that's kind of like that. I mean... Uh, but there is a... Uh, there's a good track called Cookie Chips. It's got MF Doom on it. Uh, good song. Mm-hmm. R.I.P. Yeah, moving on. Childish Gambino did a cover of this one lady's song that I can't think of right now. But it's a great cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a great cover, good song. And there's a group called Cool Company that I like. And they put out an EP a couple years ago that I just didn't see. Because, you know, I try to look at albums and not EPs and singles. But, uh, yeah, just a two-song EP. Pretty good. Floating and Drive Slow. They they have a song called Bust It Open. And it is a 10 out of 10 song. And that's really why I talk about them. is just so I can bring up the fact that that song exists. That song is perfect. Yes. Uh, I, I definitely recommend everybody listen to that song. And that's... Well, wait, wait. So, Cool Company, what's the song? Busted Open? Busted Open, yeah. Uh, really, really good song for a certain activity. Um, moving I on see, to I the TV. Yeah. Moving on to the TV. I finished that For All Mankind show. I did it. I, I didn't do it for me, okay? I did it for <laughs> did all it for mankind. Me. You did it for me. <laughs> no. I hear uh, Yeah, no, I, I did it for all mankind and everybody listening to this so they can save their fucking time. This show is boring. The epitome of boredom, the show. This is it. This is it. Okay, uh... I talked about it last week, so I'm going to spoil the actual twist in the first episode and what the plot of the show is. Uh, the Soviets make it to the moon first in alternate history timeline, mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. it's about that. And you're thinking, oh man, that's really cool. There could be like geopolitical scandals. What could you do? How are the Russians going to actually interact on the moon? How are we going to interact with them on the moon? And you get a little bit of that, but what you really get is nonstop character drama that you don't care about. And it's it's annoying, and it's one of those things where it's not even like, it doesn't have that um, Aaron Sorkin script that you right, know that right. 
boom, 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 and then they say something, boom, 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 and it's it's a, it's like a, it's like a battle of wits. But this, it's just conversation next, conversation <laughs> next, and uh, yeah, it's produced by the people who did Star Trek: The Next Generation. And as someone who just watched that last year, you can definitely tell. I mean, a lot of their tropes are still there, and they just can't let go of the things they used to do. So it it just feels dated. It's bad. Their time skips, but they're not even uh, consistent with their time skips because they had a time skip in between or in the middle of the first season. But then the middle of the second season comes and goes. And you're just like, oh, wait, so we're just doing time skips when we want to? Uh, then there's a time skip literally at the last five seconds of the last episode to the nineties. And, uh, yeah, man, it, it's a lot. There's times it's stupid. It's not consistent. Uh, I don't really care. And, and if I have to use Apple TV plus app to watch season three, I will not watch season three. I, I refuse. It's not worth my time to mess with that app. Uh, Ted Lasso is literally the only show that was had or you know out of the two that i've watched it's it's the only thing that's been worth dealing with that right. massive an app well but, i'm telling you let me actually you you keep talking and i'll find the name of the one that i'm suggesting because it like i've told you ted lasso is worth watching i promise you this other one is also worth watching well you know there's a lot on apple tv i really want to watch but god damn it that app is so I, it's the worst <laughs> it's not it's not bad it's the worst does Cannot it ever lose connection on you It'll just yes. pause the frame and you're well, just screwed. The better part about why it's so bad is that it's intentionally designed to be bad on anything that's not a real Apple device. Well, not even oh, an iPhone, yeah. Sorry. but yeah. like, yeah, their Apple TV itself or anything like that. It's just like, I believe that 100%. I, that's literally the only way they could have made this desktop website is if they had engineers who were like, we need to make this shitty. So yeah, that people we need to make them go this. buy other Apple products. Well, it's not I working. Actually, that, that new, that new um, Michael Key show, Schmigadoon or whatever the fuck it's oh, called. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Schmigadoon. I, I think it's called Schmigadoon. Yeah. <laughs> it's got the worst name on her, but I want to watch it. Well, and there's also a show with Justin Thoreau, which is the guy from Leftovers, so it's like I kind of want to watch that too, but I don't want to deal with 10 hours of it. Or... The new season of Ted Lasso is this week, right? Yeah, it's tomorrow. It's tomorrow, I think. Oh. Yeah. Uh, cool. Yeah, uh, but uh, that's that's all I did. Just don't watch For All Mankind. There's been one good episode out of 20, so that's all I did. Uh, if we want to move on to the reviews. Yeah, sure. Is there start? No preference. Uh, no preference at all whatsoever. We can do movie. We can do movie first. I was going to say, I can talk about the movie real quick. I, I wrote a lot, but I can sum it up, I think, real quick. Well, I, mean, I, I, don't, I don't even know that the album will be any faster or slower. I think this just might be a quick episode because... Unfortunately, I mean, eh, we'll go. Let's, we'll just start with the movie. Let's start with the movie. Yeah. Uh, so we did Space Jam. Um, a new legacy. Yeah. yeah Twenty twelve. Oh, sorry. Subtitled A New Legacy. Uh, you know, LeBron and Co. Uh, a bunch of HBO slash Warner Brothers. Fucking just. I don't even. I don't know what to call it, but the best thing I can imagine is they just took a pile of money and then like fake masturbated it onto a table. And just let it spray everywhere, and whatever the stack of money landed on, that's an IP of theirs. They put that in the movie. Yes, <laughs> that's exactly okay. how that works. Yeah, well, see, I was envisioning just 
scraping the bottom of the barrel, but like legitimately, there's a guy at Warner. He's got an IP <laughs> barrel, and he's he's getting in there, dude. He's getting into the cracks, those those little just smidge of dirt. He's getting that, and he's putting it on the side sidelines of that court, uh, so that you can see it for half a second. Um, okay, well, I guess that's the big one. This movie is the most masturbatory piece of film I think I've ever seen in my life. Um, Agreed. I thought Scoob was a little master, you know, a little uh, pointless. Self-indulgent. Maybe that's a more family-friendly word. Uh, Self-indulgent with their whole... So, you never saw Scoob, right? Mm Mm-mm. Okay, well, Scoob decides to throw in literally like 20... Not 20. um, I'm exaggerating, actually. So, it decides to throw in eight or nine Hanna-Barbera characters for no reason. They just, like, they even add to the plot, but it's like, yo, this is Scooby-Doo, not Hanna-Barbera the movie. Uh, So, yeah, I thought they were a little egregious when Scoob came out. I was so wrong. I was so wrong. They just dialed that egregiousness, that self-indulgence, just to the maximum uh, power, to the power of ten, like, Shoo-wee, that's, that's my biggest complaint. Uh, I mean, we can talk about other things, but damn it. Warner Bros. just can't help themselves. Ever since Marvel and Disney did the cinematic universe or whatever, people started caring about IPs or groups of IPs. Warner Bros. has just been clamoring for something like that. Just anything like that. They've tried DC. You know, <laughs> yep. They've tried rebooting DC and then... Throwing it back all together, DC. And then this new movies, they're trying to get it all together. And then this movie, they're trying to make it as though there's this Warner Bros. sphere that anybody gives a fuck about. Uh, Shoot, we, yeah. I, I don't even, I haven't even got like, to like the actual movie. Yeah, I know. So this is, let's do that. I'll, I'll do the transition for you. So when I was thinking about what the plot would be, what would make them do the space jam thing like how like why are looney tunes in real life etc and also what's it going to be like when an athlete who has no acting ability tries to act what's that going to look like and i'll say it not only is lebron bad but i mean whatever that's fine i oh, didn't yeah. expect him to be good no but lebron's acting wasn't the most offensive to me nope like the and maybe it's just how corny every part of the character or not even character, the movie was about like just like really fucking cornball lines and just like maniacal villain cheesiness, you know, yeah. like just so tropey. But like, I'm not blanking. What's the fucking dude's name? Uh, Don, Don Cheadle. Cheadle. Don Cheadle has algae rhythm. Yeah, I thought Don Cheadle was not particularly good. At some points, just awful. I um, think Don Cheadle did what he was right, told but to he do. Could've, but, but he could have done with. The role that was envisioned. I I get it. Yeah, that was his role, I believe. But yes, you're right. Like the child, the main child, uh, who's designing the app and all that. Like, I thought his acting was also pretty bad. bad. This is such a high budget movie. Yeah. How is there not a good actor in this thing right now? And maybe again, there's maybe not bad actors, but just the worst writing. Um, And I actually loved all the parts with the Looney Tunes. I'll say that. And I think even, like, random IP creatures, they were actually pretty okay, too. Like, Pennywise, like, giggling in the background and clapping with a little balloon. I was like, I don't like this. I don't like how, again, self-indulgent it is, but 
It's kind of cool. Yes, I will back you up. All the Looney Tunes things were totally fine and adequate. I was even laughing at it. Like, Bugs yes. Bunny was pretty funny. Like, the whole movie. But guess what? He's not really in the movie that no. much. <laughs> no. He's, he's almost as in the movie as, like, the wife was. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Very side character that they do not care about. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I, I've just got some mixed emotions with this movie. Okay, it's a kid's movie. I get that. Uh, it's Space Jam 2. I get that. I, I totally get these things that I should be putting into context. But damn it, man. This movie is not enjoyable, or it wasn't enjoyable to me. I thought that intro, the fake 90s intro, uh, I thought that was awesome. I was like, wait. Is this actually going to be watchable? You know? Because right. it, it felt like the 90s. They had that cool camera filter that makes it look like the 90s. Uh, they had that one actor I really like. Uh, 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 Wood? or He played uh, the coach. The first uh, Wood Harris, maybe? Uh, man, I can't think of his name. He played the coach? Yeah, the LeBron's coach at the very intro. Or at the very beginning at the intro. The guy who threw away the Game Boy. Oh, oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I was, they had him. I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. They had him actually acting for a second. I was like, okay, this movie might be all right. And I, then, I really liked Hannibal Burris, and I really liked the stupid Michael B. Jordan cameo. I'm sorry, did you say Hannibal Burris? Isn't that who it was? The uh, Lil Rel Howery, you know? You mean? <laughs> was that not Hannibal Burris? No, that was Lil Rel Howery. No way. I yes. swore that was Hannibal Burris. They said Lil Rel. <laughs> I wasn't listening clearly. Okay. I swore that was wow. first. <laughs> I mean, it, it would have it probably would have been a funnier movie because all those uh, jabs and jives between Lil Rel and that NBA announcer that I I don't care enough to even remember his name. Uh, all those were bad. The just all the all all the character interactions were just pointless. Algae rhythm. Why did he want LeBron? Like what? What was the plot really? What was the yeah, yeah like that? He has a bunch of followers, and then he can use his followers to be popular. The, but I was like, what? you didn't give me a reason why he wanted to be popular. That was just assumed that everybody wants to be popular, and also, it's not like LeBron is the biggest person on. Like you know what I mean? Like Beyonce would have been a better target, yeah, and Beyonce I, yep. playing basketball with the Looney Tunes would have been a better movie. Probably, yeah, <laughs> would have been way more interesting. Um, but I also like the Michael B. Jordan thing. Like that was just funny. That was, was funny, funny, I guess. Uh, it was I mean, it was weird. dumb. It was it was cheap. It was lazy, but it was <laughs> yeah, funny. It was yeah, funny. I mean, hey, you're not wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was very confused. And then like Sarah Silverman and Stephen Yun being the no Warner need, Bros. No, no need to be in the movie at all. That was weird. Why, they, they why were they just they probably they probably asked. That's all I can think of. They, they probably didn't even get paid. They were like, oh, we want to do that. That sounds uh, really See, cool. I'm assuming it was like a lot bigger scene on the script. And then they're like, let's just cut that down. <laughs> we didn't need that. Yeah, this is a children's movie. I'm pretty sure Steven Yeun said three lines, if that. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty I think he just sure. smiled. No, because he said, like, you love it. And then he said, like, good idea. But he only said, like, two or three lines. And then this man went home. Uh, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of things, um, but there are, there are a lot of gags I like because I guess that's what I'm going to talk about since that's the only really really the only positive only of redeeming this movie yep yep is that the Looney Tunes gags like uh, Yosemite Sam when he says shoot the ball he shoots the ball like that's hilarious that's funny yep. that's all you need you just needed that for a whole movie is just right. 
one, two, just all Looney Tunes jokes. You just need a Looney Tunes movie. I'm going to say it. Uh, but they would have probably found a way to shoehorn all the Warner Bros. IPs, quote unquote, yeah, into frog that. Frog horned it. They would have frog horned it. Yeah. Uh, all their non pop culture jokes I thought were really funny. All their pop culture jokes I thought were not funny. Uh, there was, there was, uh, it, some... it was just bad. Like, we, I don't know that we need to keep going. Yeah, it was it's just it, bad. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, just bad, bad movie. Uh, the ending was bad. Uh, like, the climax was really bad. That, that yeah, like, game yeah. was like 55 minutes. What the hell? Why was this movie an hour and 55 minutes? You know, that's, that's the real question. I, I really didn't even think about it. I, I was just, I was just not enjoying the ride and I was hoping it would be over, but I really didn't think about how long. Like what the pacing was? That movie because, yeah, was got, an hour forty-seven at credits. They got sucked into the game thing, the virtual world or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, the server verse. What Serververse. like? Like fifteen minutes into the thing. Yeah, it, it was. Like the movie was largely animated, which is crazy. Yep, it's just the basketball game, really. Still, it lacked the animated character. Like, how is that possible? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, man. There was a lot going on that I could complain about. Uh, LeBron's acting. Yeah, like you said, LeBron's acting wasn't even the most offensive thing, and it was bad. Uh, Zendaya being Lola Bunny, I hardly noticed, so it was kind of weird that you got Zendaya for Lola Bunny, but I don't care. I I really don't care. (laughs) They're just things I just don't care about. Uh, I will say the Foghorn Leghorn as a Targaryen was pretty good. That was... One of the few things that was definitely yep. like, all right, this is it has some charm to it, just just a little charm to it. But uh, yeah, whether it's pointless character decisions, pointless villain antagonist decisions, the use of like any particular other basketball player. Yeah, the Anthony Did you understand Davis that? jokes weren't funny. Yeah, even yeah. though that's probably the easiest basketball player yeah. to make fun of. Yeah, because his whole brand is his unibrow. You had one joke, and it wasn't even funny. And then you made it twice. It's crazy. It's crazy how bad these people are at making jokes. And yeah. how bad this these script writers, uh, whatever, production, producers, whoever's on set. It's crazy how bad these jokes were. Oh, the Porky Pig freestyle. I, you know, I feel like we're picking out like, very specific parts of the movie, which is weird compared to other movies that we reviewed but uh it's kind of hard because well, i was just i was just remembering the worst parts right what, what right. part what part can you talk i can't talk about a plot the plot was like that's what i'm saying it's really weird like just to talk about plot, this movie. it was it was a man gets asked to be in a thing by a movie company's algorithm and then he says no, and the other one is, I'm gonna take matters in my own hands. I'm gonna kidnap his son and take a million people hostage. <laughs> and you're like, wait, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. the whole thing is just, it's deep. I mean, hey, they paid good money for a pop culture soundtrack, and goddamn it, they're gonna use it. Okay, you're gonna hear uh, that remix of Pump the Jam. You're gonna hear. Uh, a song by St. John. You're going to hear so many. Yeah, all the, I think all there the was big even, things. Was there a song by Portugal the Man in here? Or Probably. In there? Uh, it, it sounded like there was a song by Portugal the Man. And it's it, it's weird. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know what to say about this movie. Uh, all I know is that Dom at the end said, I've done the calculations. And he's talking about the character doing a glitch. And it's like, what are you talking about? 
All right, you ready to hear the great artists on this thing? Yeah, it's actually I, I crazy. Think I, I think I've looked through it. I, I listened to so, a few songs. Lil Baby. Yep. Twenty Four K Golden and Lil Wayne. Chance the Rapper and John Legend. Oh, you hear Chance the Rapper too? That's used in the movie. Sweetie and Salt and Pepper. Uh, Lil Uzi Vert. Saint John and SZA. Yep. Uh, John Legend again. The Jonas Brothers. Lil Tecca and Amine. Uh, G Easy. Brockhampton. Corday, Joyner Lucas, Leon Bridges. <laughs> okay, weird. Yeah, I'm like, it just is crazy. Yeah, uh, uh, weird soundtrack. I honestly, it's pretty uh, offensive, I'd say, but Lil Uzi's Pump the Jam isn't like the worst thing nope. in the world. <laughs> nope. just... I think maybe that's the problem. It was all so bad that the parts that were good hardly stick out in my head because it was just a sea of bad surrounding them which you would think oh they stick out better but like if you're walking through a pile of shit you don't <laughs> notice the flower to your left you notice yeah. that your foot is sucking deep into a pile of shit oh flower <laughs> <laughs> very very good uh, yeah so what score you want to give this uh, i because... think this is a this is like as Maybe four and a half or five as I've ever seen. Okay, it's not well, not... the worst movie I've ever seen because I was I didn't think it was going to be a good movie. I thought it was going to be fun. Yeah, it was not, and it was it was, it uh... was a sprinkling of fun on the manure pile. So my uh, my abstract score was uh, what did we give Euro Trip? A little above that. <laughs> yeah, I that, that's I'm fair with that too. Like. I'm uh... fair with that. I don't know. Uh, do we give Eurotrip like a zero or a one or a two? I think, because... I think a zero or a one, yeah. Whatever the lowest on our scale was, that was Eurotrip. Then, then the, uh, maybe a three for this one, three and a half. Um, I'm down. I'm three. Three's fair. Because, fair. you know, I, I really wouldn't. Or, sorry, I w- really wouldn't give a kid's movie this low if it didn't have $100 million behind it and it wasn't Warner Bros., you know? like. Do you know how many kids' movies have, like, a ton of, like, little adult jokes for everyone else in the audience? This didn't have that. No, this was a pure, like, G-rated kids' movie that lacked any kind of substance or heart. Yeah. It was just... Hollow, yes. Yes, yes it was... It was. Hollow. It was feed the corporate giant more money children give us be good consume it's like that episode of rick and morty with the train set oh you haven't seen it yet damn it bro you gotta watch rick and morty this is an advertisement go watch rick and morty don't watch space jam watch rick and morty uh actually if you watch space jam you can see rick and morty in a cameo dude (laughs) why are they in it is does warner brothers own rick and morty cartoon network adult swim yeah i I didn't realize those were together i had no clue well, I don't know who Swim, owned Cartoon Network, but yeah, yeah, Adult Swim aired as airs on Cartoon Network, but it's a part of the Turner Broadcast Studios, which is actually part of TBS too. But uh, oh, TBS, nice. yeah, dude, TBS, yeah. Uh, but uh, Rick and Morty on TBS. I mean, give it, give it a few years. You're joking. Give it a few years. <laughs> but uh, yeah, three out of ten. Does that sound good? Yeah, I'm totally fine. Move with that. Move on to, uh, okay. Yep. Talk about something that's so, actually at least there's some substance here. Yep. So Vince Staples is Vince Staples, the uh, yes. self-titled uh, 2021 album. Uh, again, thank the you know what I I kind of alluded to that I didn't particularly like it earlier, and that it was a little samey for me. And I'll start off by saying those facts are true, but it's not offensively bad. And my God, if it isn't well 
designed for someone like me. It is exactly what I wanted. It's like 10 songs. None of them are that long. And realistically, it's like eight songs because two of them are skits. Interludes, and that kind of bothered yeah. me because he didn't call them interludes or intro or whatever the fuck. Yep. He just titled them and then I'm listening to his mom talk and I'm listening to him talk. I'm like, okay, whatever. But I mean, yeah, it's eight songs. It's like 20 minutes long. Like, there's no way that you can't just fly through this thing. Um, I didn't which... realize how short it was, honestly, until because I saw the 10 tracks. And I was like, okay, whatever. But then I played it, and I was already done with it 20 minutes later. <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think there's a couple of songs worth talking about from this. As a whole project, I'm still a little bit... I know he's super talented, and he's friends with super talented people, and there's like a Monte Booker joining on this, there's a Kenny Beats, I'm sure all over the place, if not solo credited as producer for one of them, but... So, he's, I mean, he's always around really talented people, and I feel like, uh, I'm going to steal a word from Hunter, I believe, his thoughts on this, but he uh, he was like, you know, kind of Big Fish Theory was... I have problems him... with Big Fish Theory. Right, me too, me too. It was uh, Vince Staples trying to say and do something and kind of falling short, and this was more him, like, making a statement about himself, Yeah. obviously, with the self-titled thing, and... Because of that, it felt a lot more authentic. He wasn't just like trying to make art. He was like trying to say something, which again, I think he hit the nail on the head there. But my oh, problem was then he left out the art a little bit, I feel like. I felt like the production was fine and his voice is fine, but like, I don't know. I, I didn't come away from any song going like, oh, that was dope. Or like, like where's my fucking... Bitch, you thirsty, please grab a Sprite line. Like, where's that thing where I... Well, no, I'm not saying he needs to remake the same song over... But I want a song that I want to play, and there's just... He hasn't made a song like that since North North slash, like, oh, what, man. Summertime. <laughs> it is hard to hit perfection twice. So, I mean, it is... Senorita? He did. He did on one album. Senorita? I don't remember that one, actually. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure I would, but, like, off the top of my head. Uh See, I am going to take, I don't think you hated this album, but I'm taking no, the, yeah, not. I'll take the opposing view and say, I actually really dig this album. Uh, really? <clears throat> my biggest complaint is that it's too short, but I'm not saying that, oh, he should have added more songs, blah, blah, blah. I'm just saying that I can't give this, I could never give this a 10 out of 10 because it's only 20 fucking minutes. You know, like I can't compare this to a. Uh, pimp a butterfly or uh right. you know or something right. like that just because <laughs> yeah. it's you know 22 minutes like flat it. yeah so, it's done yeah. but the 22 minutes that i got i really enjoyed um i am probably actually sick of this album because you know most albums i try to listen to a few times but when the album's only 20 minutes my right, time it's easy to just yeah the the allotted time i had for it was literally like oh i just listened to this thing four times in the, you know, the span of one Her album. <laughs> like, right. you know, uh, so that was a lot. But uh, the cohesion was nice. I, That's my biggest problem with Big Fish Theory. I'll say it again. I've said it before. Way too cohesive. All sound the same. And while this did sound similar, you know, there were definitely similar beat motifs. I don't know what you want to say. They used the, you know, same uh, drum kits. A lot, yep. but then he added to the songs. He changed it up with a little like that lo-fi SoundCloud singer and that um, that Sundown Town song. Then he had like a guitar, some strings, and the one with the uh, "Take Me Home." And you know, he he changed it up enough. Uh, 
But I, I really came to appreciate this album just because it's so on theme or on brand. Because it's literally Vince Staples doing an album called Vince Staples. And the album art is literally just his face. And every song is about him and nothing right. else. It's not about, it doesn't seem, it doesn't even sound like worldly, you know? It doesn't sound like he's talking about anything but him in his current state or, you know, what he right, thinks right. about. His life, whatever, right. So it's, it's not like he's talking about the, tri- you know, the trials and tribulations of everybody in America or, you know, whatever, uh, whatever's affecting a group right. of people. It's just him and very personable. But, uh, I don't know. I, I, I really enjoy this album. Uh, I, I thought it had that had that early 2010 sound, but in the good way, you know, mm-hmm. uh, just well, like that, <laughs> like not in the that. not in the dated way. I mean, obviously, you can probably say it sounds dated. I wouldn't argue with that, but I think it feels more of an homage to that sound. Um I, you know, I don't know. I, I even like the uh, the skit with his mom. I don't love it, but what I do love about it is that it's his mom basically talking shit about herself as opposed to every other rapper who's like gets their mom on the mic and it's like, Kendrick, I love you. You're the best. What you do is amazing for me. Or, you know, right. every right. rapper puts their up. Exactly. Right. It's their mom saying, you know, you better watch out for yourself. I love you. Call me back. You know, yeah, whatever. Wash your ass, way. shave your shave your knees, whatever. The exactly. Fuck you're and then this is literally his mom just talking shit about herself, or you know, uh, at least a woman representing his mother, uh, talking shit about herself in a story that's just some dumb shit she did. And so, uh, what? It's called Apple in the Tree. So I mean, yeah. it's it's pretty obvious that he's just making comparisons or uh, equating, I guess, his maybe lifestyle or his choices to his mother's choices. I don't know. There's a lot. I like this album yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what? How about top song? Oh, uh, like top two, three. Yeah, no. Uh, there's not you... many. And maybe do top two. Yeah, I like. Are you with that? And will fade if you want to. If you want to take it down to top two. Are you with that? The and first will song. Fade. I, yeah, I did like. Are you with that as the first track? Um, will fade. I had problems with, but um, kudos to you for liking it. Whatever. It's fine. <laughs> I, after four listens, sounds different than two. You know. No, I listened to this more than four times. That was just that one day. Like that that's oh, my God. allotted time for one listen and then and then I'll listen to it throughout the week just to make sure I'm feeling what I'm feeling. There's a lot of I listen well, to this album a lot. Uh my top two were Take Me Home and Mm-hmm, the last song. Uh I like those. Close yeah. track. Um I feel like again, it didn't suffer from being too samey. The sameness component I felt like was him. Not the songs themselves, not the bars, not the um, production, but like literally just like the cadence and the way he specifically like, obviously, you know, his voice is a very particular voice, but like, you know, you've got like, even like Olu and Wild Grape from Earth Gang, like they each have a unique sound. You know when each one of them's coming up on a particular verse. Right. But within the same song, if one of them does two verses... They can switch their flow up. They can emphasize things differently. Like, they'll just talk louder. They'll talk quieter. They'll be more solemn. They'll sing a little. Like, and I felt like he was just doing his same little. It's not mumble rap. I don't know what to call it, but the Vince Staples thing. He just did the Vince Staples thing the whole time, and that's kind fine. of monotone rap. But yeah, yeah. But it, I was like, I just want you to change up. And those two songs had the most change up for me. Uh, 
and it sounds like I think mm-hmm, like literally did just change up for sure. Um, Good last song too. Mm-hmm, I thought so too. Uh, I, I like the way too that it plays back well. Like it goes back to number one pretty well on the loop. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a good last song, especially since we had an interlude before. It is funny how two out of ten tracks of this very short album are yeah. just skit I mean, interlude yeah, it's, things. What? That's it's two minutes of a twenty-two minute thing, yeah. right? So ten percent. Like, <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine the her album having like ten minutes just flat of just yeah, just, speaking? Just, yeah, yeah, just fucking random voicemails. Actually, but that might be good for that album because it's all just like breakup shit like no, you, she's no, just airing not. out some tea that album was too long anyways okay <laughs> it was too long i'm just saying it would be funny but uh i don't know uh i didn't i didn't hate any songs at all there were no, there was there was maybe one song where it's like i don't really care for this but i don't oh I didn't which one was that it. for you uh i don't know i don't i don't write it down mm. i was just saying like <clears throat> there's probably one on here that i didn't love yeah but, little fade uh, was that for me but yeah, I mean, literally, my only, my biggest complaint is that it's just not enough. Uh, yeah, it it is lacking for sure. I, Whether I, that's necessarily time on tracks, like maybe songs could be longer individually, or maybe um, the skits could have just been songs instead of skits. Like, something. sample those voicemails. Start with the voice, you know, do the Drake thing. Start with the voicemail and then turn it into a song. I'm fine with that. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, um, I really appreciate this direction he's sort of going in. I mean... I guess if we wait four years between albums, it's not really a direction, but <laughs> I appreciate what he's trying to do with this one. Uh, you know, I'm a sucker for introspective, almost almost meta uh, projects like almost. this. Yeah. But uh, you want to give it a score? I would give this like a seven. I, mean, I, I was thinking eight, eight, five, but. No, you go. No, you go like five. You go like five, and then yeah, we'll just split okay. it down the middle. Uh, eight five, but seven seven five. Seven five. God, yeah. I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, seven seven five for oh, Vince Staples. And... For, for a total of two things that have a maximum score of twenty, we made it to ten barely. Is that what we went? <laughs> Uh, yeah. It's like we didn't do one of the two things we were supposed to do with how shitty the movie was. Nope. Too bad. And need to say anything? I think that's going to do it for us. Mm-hmm. Got, got the reviews? Next, week, next week's going to be hype. Next week's hype. All right. That has been episode 38 of The Worst Critic. Man, it's a little short. I'm looking at the timer right now. It's a little, a little short episode, but... uh yeah, I'll, I'll continue the outro. Uh, this has been episode 38 of The Worst Critics. This week or next week, our picks are going to be M. Night Someone's Old and possibly Donda by Kanye West. Now, I'm sure people know, and whoever's listening to this will probably know, that Kanye says things and puts release dates on things that he doesn't really mean. So we're just going to say Donda by Kanye right now. And if it doesn't happen to come out tomorrow, we're going to do Gold Digger Sounds by Leon Bridges. Uh, this has been 38 of The Worst Critics. I'm Noah Davis. I'm John Pina. And we're out of here.